and welcome to the Pinken.com Norwich City podcast number 345, If Carlsberg Did Weekends. On the way, dishing out the blues, I spy with our little eye and the Big Bad Blades reunion. My name is Michael Bailey. Hello there to you all. Welcome to the pod. On this Monday afternoon, fine Monday afternoon as well here at Archant Towers, I am with Chief Norwich City Correspondent Paddy Davitt. Hello there, Pad. All right, Michael, how are you, my man? Yeah, we're getting there. Thank you very much. Not bad at all. You well? Very good. Just found a cracking question. That's why I'm quite amused. Oh, he's straight in. I've tickled myself with the football school, the amazing quiz book, <laughs> which maybe you want to explain for any non-regular listeners slash viewers. We, we, I, I will. I'm going to leave everyone dangling because, first of all, I have to introduce our Norwich City corresponding colleague, Dave Freezer. Hello. <laughs> Feels like uh, a while ago the game now, doesn't it? Being on a Friday night, it's completely thrown me out of whack. Yeah, I, d- I didn't like it. I've got to be honest. Well, I enjoyed seeing the uh, scores roll in, <laughs> yeah, as I'm sure most Norwich fans did. Indeed, what a weekend, Dave! Eh? What a weekend. Um, are you uh, so? Um, what's been new in your lives, gents? We'd like to open this up. So, now I was lucky. I had the weekend off. Um, I ran 10k around Whitlingham Park Lake thing. That was nice, mainly because I couldn't make it to Snetterton, which is what I was supposed to be running. It's a bit of a fail. That was a highlight. I'm still knackered from it. Pad, what was your highlight of the weekend? Um, highlight? I mean, you two were both working. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Non-working-wise, because obviously being at work's a highlight. So probably... Um, actually um, ended up watching about three episodes of that thing that was on our BBC, the press, which is supposedly oh, set yeah, in. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, uh, my wife decided we had to watch something that wasn't <laughs> full on V Tottenham. So... Uh, yeah, that was quite good. But I wouldn't say it was a highlight, but yeah, no, it was just, yeah, as Dave touched on, we, we kind of get a bit out of sync when we're not in a press box at three o'clock on a Saturday. So it feels a little bit not quite with it, in a bit of a daze almost. So yeah, so in that context, that was probably about as exciting as it got. Doesn't take much to throw us all out of our stride, really, does it? How about you, Dave? Yeah, I was in the office on Saturday, so it did feel quite strange to actually be sat around sort of kicking my heels waiting for various things to to happen you know the Leeds results Sheffield United's result later in the day and yeah everything went just about to plan didn't it defeat for Leeds defeat for Sheffield United defeat for Ipswich Uh, Middlesbrough dropping two points at home as well so once that all started happening I felt a bit more uh, in the routine of it but um, yeah I managed to squeeze in a a coffee and a a brownie with some friends at one point as well so uh, not too bad (laughs) That is lovely. That does sound terribly civilised. Okay, so um, before we get stuck into the proper stuff properly, uh, remember you can cat. Uh, keep in touch with us all here to share your thoughts set our agenda just send an email to the pinkenarchant.co.uk or you can get, get in touch via all the possible social media channels you can imagine be it pinken or our personal profiles and make sure you don't miss a single podcast throughout the remainder of this season by subscribing you can find all the data, details at pinken.com slash podcast Okay, so let's start off then, shall we, with quiz time. Paddy, you've already teed yeah. this beautifully. This is um, yeah, happy. Well, th- this is now customary that we um, we start with this, uh, thanks to the football school, the amazing quiz book, which uh, you found lying around the office. That is literally what happened, isn't it? Yeah, that's the, that's the level of research <laughs> I put into these things, my friend. Did yeah, try. just walked past and it happened to be, well, it's quite a prominent yellow front cover, so that's probably what drew me in. <laughs> Um, so we set the question, and then we'll um, we'll dish out the answer in our new 
segment, the Pink and Norris City podcast, Extra Time, which you can watch exclusively on the Pink and app, although uh, Tony's not with us today, so <laughs> might be a bit sketchy in terms of the filming. But um, if you haven't got the Pink and app, you can uh, download it. Uh, just search Pink and two words uh, in either the Google Play or App Store. So there you go, and you'll find the answer presumably you don't already know it to this question hand-picked by Paddy Davitt you'd be doing very well if you knew this without having to check it okay and the question is at the beginning of the 2014 World Cup final Germany-Argentina German midfielder Christoph Kramer received a knock to his head people might just about remember that he felt dazed and confused so went up to the referee and asked and you now have got four choices of what he asked was it ref is this the final question mark ref what country am I in question mark Ref, what's my name? And my personal favourite, Ref, what's for tea? <laughs> At least he didn't say mum, what's for tea? <laughs> so, did he say, is this the final? What country am I in? What's my name? Or what's for tea? That is a cracking question. Remember That's it, nice. Pad. We'll, we'll dish out the answer in uh, the Pink and Podcast Extra Time, which you'll be able to watch on the Pink and App. How exciting. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's talk about the football as well, shall we? Because um, rather than do any more quizzes questions, which we could do, to be honest. I'm more interested in finding out the, uh, the answer, boys. Oh, you, you talk amongst oh, all yourselves. Right, all right, well, we'll come back to you while, while you... Um, don't divulge it, obviously. Uh, We've got to keep it. Um, Birmingham, Dave. For once, we had a big first half, and, and that was at the point at which Norwich won the game, and a game where maybe beforehand a few people would have been a bit, not sure how this is going to go. I think even myself, I felt that it was a really dangerous game for Norwich City, and I felt a lot more comfortable 40-odd minutes gone. Yeah, I mean, three goals in the first half. Um, to be fair, they scored, went 2-0 up against Derby in the last home league game as well, didn't they? So maybe, that, maybe that's a slight change of intention trying to get the job done a little bit sooner so Daniel keeps saying throughout the season how um, he wishes uh, they could win games a bit more comfortably and be better for his heart well 3-1 win and seeing it out reasonably comfortably is uh, is exactly that um, but yeah we, we did speak a, a fair bit before the game didn't we about Birmingham's aerial threat you know they, they top all those aerial statistics for the division and it was pretty clear to see why early in the game and the way that Norwich dealt with it was was quite simple, really. They just didn't challenge them in the air and uh, went for the second balls. So they'd thought about it and it worked. And it was interesting, I suppose, because I think we'd obviously suggested that you know Birmingham might be on the fringes of the playoff places and all this sort of things. And, and Gary Monk himself said, oh, we weren't quite at our usual level. I don't know why that was. But I mean, Norwich have to take some credit for that, don't they, for, for, for stopping Birmingham being as effective? Yeah, I think we I think we would tip the the scales. Yeah, more towards Norwich were good, but but by the same token, they were poor. They were very poor defensively. They were all over the show in the first half, um, and apart from Adams getting the drop on Ben Godfrey and slapping it in the near post past Tim Krul, don't think they offered a lot going forward. Given Farker's warnings of the Jutkovic Adams axis with Mahogama and Jota, I mean Jota is the one for me. He, he looks like a fish out of water in a team that just wants to bash it along and play off Djokovic. But, you know, he, he was obviously a Harry Redknapp signing, so um, Monk's inherited him. But given Monk, you know, Monk's pedigree was coming through at Swansea and, and the way they used to play Swansea loner, I find, find it a bit strange that yeah. but that might be a result of, you know, they're all, they've are all they got these financial issues and the transfer restrictions placed on them. So maybe it's a case he's got, he's got to deal the best hand, he, or play with the best hand he, he's been dealt. But... Um, no, I was very disappointed with them, as you say, for a team who were not that far away. And I think even now they're only six or seven points after the whole weekend's programme off the top six that 
I expected a lot more from them. But, you know, as I say, Norwich certainly did seem to have every answer that they could come up with and uh, and in the end it was um, it was quite a comfortable second half wasn't it it, it was indeed um, yeah I remember watching in the first half and just thinking and I guess because Birmingham had been doing reasonably well this year it sort of emphasised the point Norwich just looked a really good side Emi Buendia obviously had to come off um, with what was a dead leg wasn't it but fortunately but um Again, just playing, just made Norwich look so fluid. Marco Stieperman again, the, the way he links Tamer Pukki to the midfield is, is and, and actually all the forward runners as well, they look so f- fluent and and fluid. And you look at them and you just think that this is a good side. And, and you know, that based on as well with the record that they've got this season, and we're obviously going to talk about the two, certainly two crucial games coming up, but it just makes you feel so... Um, Assured, almost going into those big games, that this isn't flash in the pan stuff. This is this is really thought out, coached, drilled quality that we're getting to see week in week out. Yeah, based on that game, there's only one team on that pitch who's capable of automatic promotion, and it certainly wasn't Birmingham. Um, yeah, I think people are in, enjoying the way it's going at the moment. You know, Pookie had a chance either side of his goal as well. Early stage of the second half. Hernandez, Campwell, Vrancic all missed good chances to make it a much more comprehensive victory and then there was quite a, an obvious decision to try and put their foot on the ball and calm things down and Tom Tribal was certainly in the thick of that um, and was one of the players to um, sort of catch the eye during the game and a much better performance. So we, I think everyone was pretty disappointed with how we played at Hull was that start of December when Alex Tate last got injured so he missed that opportunity but he's taken this one so that's that bodes well going forward but they're going to need to play at least as well as that to uh, to get something against Sheffield United because I think they will be much more driven much more determined much more uh, typical of a Chris Wilder side you know as we as we saw at Bramall Lane at the start of the season they um, they know how they want to play and they're good at executing it and it's interesting the way Norwich managed the game in the second half because there, there were there were certainly good bits in it. I I, I think, don't think my view is the same as everyone else. I was a little bit twitchy. I thought there were at times when they obviously were happy to play at the back, but Birmingham then pressed them and kind of got some joy from that. And I wouldn't have said personally Norwich were entirely there in terms of managing the game as well as maybe they were last season. Actually, there were some real examples of that. But certainly, if Norwich can can um, master that knack that could be quite handy if say they do get themselves ahead against Sheffield United or even away at Leeds and that game management is going to be so crucial in those big games coming forward isn't it yeah and if there was one downside you would say they didn't manage that period from uh, it scored the first goal for Norwich Pookie's goal you know he's literally seconds from the restart that wasn't a particularly good phase of game management but um yeah, for me, and we've talked about this, it's, it's the axis that is Zimmerman, Cruel and Godfrey, certainly the two outfield players, they're not very comfortable on the ball. I don't think, I don't think it's their natural game. They're more, as you look at them, unbelievable athletes, physical specimens. You stick closer in that mix, then I think you probably wouldn't have had as many palpitations. There was one instance where Godfrey completely hot potatoed it and uh, next thing you know they're on him and it was a, sort of triggered a com- an uncomfortable sort of five minutes or so where they're in and around Norwich's box and balls are getting flashed in and and I don't think really that's that's I don't think that's going to change they're not going to suddenly those two become uh, Franz Beckenbauer in possession so I think the reality is until closer's fit and available for duty that's kind of the downside if there is a downside of those two playing but you know ultimately 
as Dave said, I mean, it could have been a lot more comfortable early in the second half. And then if they, you know, had had given a goal away by being poor in possession at the back, it probably wouldn't have mattered. But you just felt, obviously, the way the game was, 3-1, they get a goal, then it's a very nervy final, however many minutes. So, um, overall, I think if you contrast that second half with what we were sort of having to endure against Forest and Derby, then you'd say that it was light years away in terms of the composure and um, and really shutting a game out. But... Yeah, if, if you know, ultimate, we're, we're striving to see constant improvement in this team, and, and that is an area that still would be a cause for concern. We saw it against West Brom, didn't we? You know, that first half where basically Cruel started carving the ball out of play because West Brom pressed them high, and they got in and amongst them in the in the final third. So that is clearly an area they do need to be a, a bit sharper on, I think. And something that the next two sides is something they'll definitely take advantage of if they can, for sure. Now, West Brom play at Bolton tonight, don't they? So that's the one remaining fixture from the weekend. Obviously, they had their little trip to Dubai because they got an extra few days to uh, to uh, sort themselves out. Other than that, Dave, and you've already touched on it, um, of course, what, what a fantastic uh, weekend. I, I've managed to see the second half of the Sheffield United Swansea game. I thought Sheffield United looked pretty bang average, but by all accounts, they were good in that first half without um, being able to take the lead. Um, and Leeds, we'll, we'll touch on Spygate in a bit if we can possibly hold off until then. But you know, Leeds coming unstuck, that's a real benefit. And actually, they've now lost three of the last four games. Yeah. I think it's four of the last five, including the Cup game as well, didn't they? They lost to QPR in the FA Cup. So, yeah, let's hope it's a hope it's a little wobble. And all of a sudden, Norwich are unbeaten in three when you take it as... Uh, draws at Brentford and West Brom and stick that Birmingham win on top which is a pretty healthy position to be in so yeah a point off top spot I'm sure we've said this quite a few times this season but you'd have uh, snatched off the uh, snatched off a hand that was offering that at the beginning of the season wouldn't you 28 games in 53 points a point off top spot Thank you very much. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, I mean, the thing about Leeds is um, their their supporters, especially everyone, seems so collectively together mentally. I'm sure they won't crumble, probably. Um, uh, what did you make of all the results popping in on on Saturday, Pads? I mean, it, it sort of it was because Norwich got to you know they won their game, they did their business first. It did take the pressure off. It didn't really matter if everyone then went one because Norwich had already done their bit, hadn't they? So. And conversely, it does, whether it's subliminally, subconsciously, it must put a bit of extra pressure on Sheffield United going to you know Swansea because Norwich have got the three points on the board. They know they've got the three points on the board. Same with Leeds going to Stoke um, and, and even Middlesbrough. You know, a point at home against Millwall when Norwich have won uh, isn't good enough. So, yeah, you can, you can debate the merits of Friday night football, but I think if you go and do what Norwich did and perform well and get the win, then psychologically that's a great boost when you get into 28 games into the season where it feels exponentially every weekend, every weekend is a lot bigger than just three points. It's almost the kind of the mood music. You're either up or you're down, and uh, Norwich are certainly up at the minute. And that absolutely clicked after the West Brom game. It was like, oh, this now feels like the proper half of the season. It's so, it's so strange how it changes in, in feeling. Uh, brilliant. Um, ben Marshall, we just should just touch on that. He went out on loan to Millwall. Um, we'll see what happens in the summer regarding his Norwich City future but uh, he was on hand to did he get an assist or did he just play I can't remember no. but he still played and, and Millwall picked up a point at Middlesbrough so. he played 73 minutes I think it was uh, played left wing I had a quick look at the um, um, one of the media outlets who cover Millwall um, their reporter gave him an 8 out of 10 Oof. so um, that's a hard earned thing isn't it an 8 out of 10 pad he wouldn't be getting. He'd, he'd take three games to get eight out of ten the way he was playing here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> but 
but yeah, it helps helps his parent club out in you know holding Middlesbrough to a draw. Um, don't think Tony Pulis was particularly enthused with the way they played again. So um, you know, you wouldn't have thought they would uh, shift Pulis because you almost guaranteed a playoff place because they'll pick up enough points. But it's clear that football is moving on, and people like Tony Pulis just aren't fashionable now, are they? That just grinding points out you you hear the noises from the Borough fans they're not enjoying it are they they're, unless he manages to grind them back to the Premier League they're, uh, I, I can't see him being there beyond the summer well, at least they'll just be getting ready for the grind that would then ensue in the yeah. Premier League as well which is fair enough because we all know what happens there OK gongs of the week then shall we big Duncan Forbes hero of the week who is our hero of this weekend just gone uh, Top tribal for me, I think, just yeah. because, um, as, as Dave said at the start, and it was true, you know, he didn't, he fluffed his lines, let's be honest, at Hull, fluffed his header as well as Oracle, um, although that, in the context of what they've done since, isn't the worst point in yeah. the world. But uh, I think it was the last chance for him against uh, Birmingham. I, I think given Farker had shown faith again, but with McLean knocking on the door and can do that role, and also Louis Thompson back in the mix sooner rather than later. Yeah, if he hadn't performed there, I don't think we'd have been seeing him start against Sheffield United. So, give him his due. Uh, you obviously spoke to him, didn't you, after the game? And, and I think in, in in very measured tones, it was clear he was frustrated that he he obviously felt he deserved a better a better shake than he was getting under this head coach. But all you can do is what he did at the week, uh, well start of the weekend, which was alongside Mario. I thought they were very good for, for large parts and, and both got their goals. What I would say, uh, said it on the Q&A a bit earlier today, I don't think Sheffield United would sit off in midfield areas like that and allow them time and space. So, different challenge ahead this weekend, but yeah, he's more than merited his, his start again for me. Yeah, here, here. Uh, yeah, Tribal's good. Um, his lack of pace still concerns me going forward. Um, I, when reading your interview with Michael, I was reminded that he's only 25. Yeah, um, exactly why I put it in, because I was like... <laughs> God, yeah, he's still only 25. Mm, could maybe do with a bit of sprint work. But um, I'll go uh, with Emmy Buendia for her- Hero of the Week. Two assists, a key role in uh, the Pookie goal as well, setting Lewis away. And the one ahead of Rancic, it was his lovely part, uh, sort of spread right to Aaron's, wasn't it? And then uh, recycling it across. So lovely corner as well. It was easy, easy header for Tribal, wasn't it? So I, I don't think he could have done much more before he got kicked off the park. Um and I think he would certainly, I think you mentioned it in your report, didn't you, Pad, that he, he would have been man of the match at the rate he was going. Um, you know, he'd looked pretty rusty at West Brom, but he looked bang on it. So, fingers crossed that dead leg is gone by Saturday. That's how he plays with one leg. <laughs> um, Kevin Muscat, villain of the week. I would probably give it to Michael. Uh, I couldn't say this on my video report. Kev- Keefton Belt. Because I just don't practice it, but I mean, what a shocking challenge! Um, he didn't quite connect, but it's only close enough to Emmy's shins. I don't know, maybe he did connect. I mean, it looked like a straight red to me, and I think they kind of said that on the live Sky coverage as well. Yeah, I thought it was a red. Um, equally, Craig Gardner when he, he cynically, yeah, he was yeah. my one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he left. I can't remember the sequencing of, of the time in the first half, but there was one where he tried to play him round the corner, and it was you're going nowhere, son. And just basically. And that almost set the tone. I think it probably was very early on, so it was probably prior to that one. But you know, you put those two together, there was clearly a concerted attempt. Uh, I don't think I don't think it was anything other than premeditated that they'd identified him as pretty key to how Norwich liked to set up, and uh, they were going to stop him by fair means or foul. I was thinking of the Aaron's one. 
when Aaron's street clear on well, the they're left. They're brothers, oh, aren't they? Yeah. Craig and That's Gary. One, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was sort of Just give them to the, collectively to the Gardner <laughs> yeah. brothers. So we've got three nominations from the Birmingham team. But that, that, that was one of the... Max was gone, wasn't he? And then he just took a cynical swipe at him and it just was enough to knock him out of his stride, wasn't it? And he didn't bring him down, though, did he? He wasn't no, that quick. Fair play to Max. So was it... Um, who did I see? Matt Letizia, yeah, saying well done to, to Max for keeping his feet. But by doing that, he then didn't get his crossing properly, did he? Because he was off balance and he probably would have been better than going down but there we go good intent Indeed. I think Leroy Fair was sent off for something similar at Wolves for basically that di- deliberate kick to just take someone out when the ball's 10 yards further mm-hmm. up it was so you, it was great because he was running towards us you could see the cogs in Gardner's head it was yeah because uh, yeah. <laughs> he just deviated he's like I'm chasing for the ball no now I'm going for the player <laughs> great uh, Simeon Jackson moment of the week Hmm. Mine. Go on, Dave. Yeah, you can go first. Well, well, well I was just going to say, mine has actually come as I smashed the book. I'm holding on to <laughs> the book. The bo- yeah, yeah. It's like, a bo- it's like the Bible. It's like the Bible. <laughs> but um, 10.38 this morning, Monday morning, got an email from a Leeds fan, um, which might seg nicely into uh, Spygate. But um, uh, old boy, I think, because he's uh, 35 years, a season ticket holder. Wanted to query uh, one of the pieces I've done regarding, obviously, Norwich. Clearly, along with the other 10 championship clubs, have written a letter along the lines of, is it in the spirit of the charter that the clubs apparently signed up to last summer? Um, he felt that Norwich painting their dressing room pink to lower testosterone levels was equally an act of lacking in spirit. And does that not contravene the charter? And he also then went on to tell me, he used to be a season ticket holder, but, quote, referees now have it in for Leeds, so he's no longer a season ticket holder. <laughs> so, yeah, that was definitely a moment of the week for me. Hmm. There was a couple of nice little ones that I noticed. Uh, ahead of the opening goal, Zimmerman switched pass out to Lewis on the left. I remember t- saying to you, Michael, at the time that it was like the whole ground went, ooh, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Centre-backs can pass, and Zimmerman does have that in his locker occasionally, doesn't he? Um, but also, Pucky, the one that he backheeled from, I think it was a Hernandez cross, wasn't it? Shortly after his goal, he backheeled it and he just got a deflection beyond the far post. If that would have gone in as well, Norwich were absolutely rampant at that point and Carrow just felt like it was ready to explode. So I thought Pookie was really good actually Saturday night after a few um, few quieter performances. You know, he's still been in the right place generally. And still it's, yeah. yeah, Steepman makes a massive difference to him and I think I worked out it is now 11 goals in 13 games. So he's still in ridiculous form. But um, I just thought he was buzzing everywhere. He's in, you know, in the channels all the time, running down the Birmingham defence. I thought he was really good. Well, on the sidelines, you teed it up perfectly, Paddy. Of course you have. Um, Spygate, uh, which we've touched on. And you, yes, you mentioned the point, And I had this uh, flagged up to me over the course of my weekend off. That, of course, Leeds routinely spying on every away, uh, every opposition team's um, behind closed doors training sessions is exactly the same as Norwich painting their away dressing room pink, which, of course, in August was the butt of everyone's jokes, uh, as opposed to launching a massive inquiry. Uh, what do we know? Well, we know that uh, Marcelo Bielsa has admitted to um, spying on every team's training sessions, and I would imagine those were behind closed doors training sessions. Uh, I would imagine they were probably quite close to 
match day training sessions then in that case because that's what he did with uh, Derby I haven't watched all of his press briefing I haven't found um, the spare time to do that but maybe one day I will uh, what we also know is that the EFL and the FA are investigating it and that there has been a letter submitted uh, or a complaint submitted to the EFL um, from 11 clubs Norwich City believe are pretty high on making that happen and, and, and leading it one of it the drivers as it's been told to me yeah. one of the drivers uh, to find out what Leeds have been doing, what training uh, they've been watching, but also the circumstances of what happened around the um, Derby incident when they were caught watching Derby training. Not a discussion over punishment, but certainly in terms of what happened, because I guess they want to know what's actually been going on. Yeah, well, I mean, as it was sort of explained to me, I mean, is it just a man in a bush? Is it insider information? Are they speaking to coaching and analyst teams at these clubs? Is it even drones and technology? You know what? It's not enough just to say, uh, "Hands up, Gov." We was, we had a plant at Derby. I mean, I think, given it, to me that he's compounded it. I mean, if you want to be Machiavellian about it, if you'd have basically said, "Yeah, isolated incident," and played it that way, then there'd have been none of the aurora. Yeah. But to actually yeah. come out and acknowledge, "Oh no, it's on an industrial scale," then I think <laughs> that's what, certainly for Norwich's point of view, and the the other ten clubs who've signatories to this letter that have gone to the EFL they now want to know the scale of it and and the nature of it and then as I say then within the context of the integrity of the competition the spirit of the club's charter which they all signed up to so yeah certainly nothing at this stage to do with sanctions and top of the sanctions being points deductions so that's a complete red herring for anybody who's, uh, who's deduced that Norwich are leading some witch hunt to get Leeds docked points can't be further from the truth and why wouldn't they want to get to the bottom of it? Now, you could say in the context of uh, a game at Ellen Road in two weeks' time that is sold out and that is probably going to be a straight shootout for promotion, the timing could be better. But um, I guess Norwich have took the view that that will take care of itself, that game, and uh, that, that this is far too important an issue to brush under the carpet. Yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal game at Ellen Road in a, a couple of weeks, um, most definitely. Uh, it's fair to say the Leeds fans haven't taken all this very well, have they? And it sort of opened up. They, they clearly feel they have a have been dealt um, some duff hands from authorities. But I get, I'm, I'm losing track of all the clubs who think that they're worse off than everyone else, to be honest. And um, and there we go. So uh, it's um, it's interesting to see their reaction to it I suppose and especially as, as Paddy said given uh, by all accounts and from everything externally Marcelo Bielsa kind of made everything worse for himself yeah no surprise and there doesn't appear to be much arguing with the Leeds fans over it either they, they've never been particularly gracious winners have they and they're certainly not particularly good losers um, so I, I hope that doesn't add to any kind of uh, sort of um, problems on match day I, I see that They've some of their fans have talked about a sort of welcome party for Norwich, uh, you know, in, uh, akin to what uh, Liverpool did to Manchester City ahead of the Champions League semi final last year. Was it last season or the season yeah. before? Um, where, you know, there was flares and, you know, 50,000 people on the roads or whatever. I mean, it's obviously not going to reach that sort of level and it's just not that a, a, a game that's as important as that. And uh, from a story in the Yorkshire Post, it looks like that that suggestion hasn't been particularly well greeted amongst the lead support anyway so let's hope it doesn't lead to any kind of um, uh, trouble on the day because that's not necessary but my reaction from when it first came out that Friday night against Derby was that it's an unfair advantage um, other clubs aren't doing it um, and I, my, I think I 
tweeted pretty quickly, you can't hide behind cultural differences here because you could see that that was what was coming straight away, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, if they've been scouting everyone else in the division and no one else is doing it because I don't think there is, that's not come out. You know, if, if there was a suggestion that everyone else in the division is doing it, then we'd have heard it by this point wouldn't we like Leeds would have been the first to have been suggesting it um, Bielsa hasn't done that he's just dug himself a bigger and bigger hole it's now a massive sideshow to what has been a very good season overall but you know Leeds are the only team who have come and won by three clear goals at Carrow Road this year did they know that Louis Thompson was starting on the right wing that day because most of us didn't had they seen it in, in training? Was was that even a response to Daniel Farker thinking he may have been rumbled? We don't know. These things shouldn't be a consideration. It's in English football it's just an unwritten rule. You don't you don't scout each other's training sessions. It's just not the done thing, is it? There doesn't need to be a rule. It's just sportsmanlike behaviour really. Um so I, I yeah, I, I, a points deduction just doesn't seem realistic because Leeds will fight that to the end of the earth and I think that would go. take so long to go through court, they'd be in the Premier League by that point probably. So I just don't see how they, they could enforce that really. But it's going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting one to, um, uh, to keep an eye on. And they've almost admitted their guilt by not scouting Stoke last week. If there's nothing wrong with it, then why wasn't there a, a, a scout at Stoke's training session the day before the game last week? From what I can see from Bielsa's answers after the game, he didn't send anyone to go and spy on Stoke ahead of that game. Why not? Because he's been rumbled. <laughs> and what was also interesting was Nathan Jones' comments that um, having um, basically been told in Bielsa's presentation how many games, I think you flagged this up on your Sunday brunch, didn't you, Pad? That, yeah. or, um, Jones had, um, 26, apparently, of Luton's games they'd watched and then three of Stoke or something of that nature. Ridiculous number, but... Yeah, I mean, his basically post-match was, right, we'll, we'll, we'll change completely how he expects us to set up. I think they, I'm not sure now, I think whether they went free at the back or yeah, something, but something yeah. alien to somebody who'd done that body of scouting on him and also Stoke would be expecting. So there you go. Maybe the counter-response has already started. Which does, as they say, makes it fascinating in terms of what the EFL and FA do with all this, of course. And to be honest, I don't think any of us have really said anything about points deductions. That doesn't seem to be logical way, despite you know maybe some Leeds fans getting a little bit worried about all that. Um, but in terms of how, because in truth, whether it's the distraction or whichever, if Leeds form does drop off a cliff now, that's not going to look very good for them. Here. But that said, they're a very good side. We've all seen how good they are, how consistent they've been as well, Paddy. You wouldn't expect them just to disappear like that because they've got so much about them. And clearly Marcelo Bielsa's um, coaching methods don't revolve around just spying on training <laughs> at the end of a week. Absolutely not, no. I mean, this will go one or two ways now. It's It'll either be the galvanising, the world against the siege mentality will show them, or things the cracks will start to crumble. And, and three defeats, was it four and four and five? That isn't a very positive uh, way to start a new year. So, um, yeah, if, if they start to become too uh, wrapped up in that off-the-field stuff as a, as a distraction, then it's not going to do them any favours on the pitch. But... Um, I think on a broader point, you know, they started so well, didn't they? And then they did hit the buffers and, uh, you know, whether whether they're uh, just struggling again for one of them fallow periods and they'll come strong again, time will tell. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if they do turn it on, I mean, after that Derby Furora, they did just wipe the floor with them at Ellen Road that night, as I recall. Mm-hmm. So um, just the power and the pace they play at. And they were excellent down here. Whatever deficiencies Norwich were on the day, they were fully exploited and... Uh, I think probably on reflection as good a team as I've seen at Cairo this season so 
yeah, in terms of the footballing challenge ahead, massive. Um, we don't really need all the sideshow that goes with it between now and then. Although that could be just a warm up for Lambert the following week, couldn't it? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, we're not going to talk about Ipswich today. Um, uh, January transfer window is ongoing. Uh, the one thing we should probably touch on: um, renewed speculation linking Nelson Oliveira to Reading because they've got a Portuguese manager, so that seems to be the key there. Um, and a few suggestions that he's having a medical over in Barshib. I don't know if that's actually true or not. I guess maybe this time there's a chance it'll actually happen though we'll have to see I suppose so the fact their manager was talking about yeah. Oliveira after their game t- said a lot didn't it really um, whether that's just a cultural difference or not but he was um, happy to say that Oliveira is a good player I don't know whether he's going to be here um, who knows maybe he'll take Evo Pinto as well if it's uh, if that's what matters so much unfortunately Evo's not still stuck in Turkey we were a little bit worried about that on Friday weren't we Pat yeah no he's definitely here but uh here but not involved in the sense of uh, I think very very wisely not that he was getting much of a look in with Max Aaron's this form but until his uh, basically until January comes and goes and his future's resolved one way or the other I don't well he won't be involved Daniel said that quite clearly doesn't doesn't probably feel he's in the right frame of mind and that's uh, probably the right call so um, but whether he ends up back at that club in Turkey or not time will tell uh, yeah it wouldn't be at all surprising if he, he ended up going somewhere in this country at least until the end of the summer, uh, end of the season, sorry. And then he's out of contract and wish him all the best. But uh, yeah, I think we probably, unless Aaron's gets a bad injury, I don't think we'll be seeing Evo in an orange shirt again. Right, it's time for mailbag. Discussions led by your emails, tweets and other interaction. It's just me and Pad now. Dave's had to um, shuffle off, hasn't he, for important business, Pad? Important business at uh, Colney. Indeed. More on that later. Indeed, pinkin.com. Uh, so, just a couple of questions over here. So, we'll run those by with you, um, Pad. The Unthank Kitchen. Unthank Kitchen. How um, is Aston Oxford looking in terms of goalkeeper for next season? Likely to be the next Angus Gunn or Remy Matthews? I've only seen Aston play once for the under 23s, and he did let one under his, <laughs> under his body. So, I don't want to be an un- un- unfair judge on him. He's a young man and clearly hasn't. Um, played any senior football yet at all has he which is um, I I know neither had Angus but he'd had um, a a pretty sound grounding and of course we now know that Remy Matthews is is officially a Bolton Wanderers player going forward so uh, I guess the goalkeeping situation will be an interesting one we know that Tim Krull's contracted for this year and next year Absolutely yeah and and conversely I think Michael McGovern's out of contract and and you would think we'd move on part of the natural sort of cycle coming to an end Um, so then the question is for the start of next season obviously a lot of this is linked to who's in the dugout in terms of the head coach position but if it was still to be Farker I'm not sure he'd want another McGovern type experience because you've effectively got that with Tim Krull so then you're probably looking at a younger keeper and you'd have to bring one in so just in terms of the numbers and the head count so where that leaves Aston probably um, if he's, I'm not sure of his contract situation off the top of my head, but if he's still here beyond the end of next season, then given the policy is to get these lads out on loan almost as they're finishing schools, it, he would, have, unless they're an Aaron's or Lewis who they think can go straight in, but I don't think that's going to happen with Aston with Tim Krul on the on the payroll. So, yeah, I think in the immediate term, he just needs to keep impressing anytime he gets a chance at development level, and then probably next season he's looking at a loan, and then it's up to him to show he's progressing and can take his chance um, because I don't think you know there'll be 
there'll be certainly somebody else coming in in the summer and uh, depending on the profile of that keeper they might be earmarked as Krull's replacement uh, in terms of moving forward yeah indeed and this is a good one from uh, TJNCFC on Twitter thank you TJ uh, do you think youngsters currently at Norwich may look at the likes of Redmond Josh and Jacob Murphy Alex Pritchard and Robbie Brady, Brady and reconsider jumping at the first chance for top flight football <coughs> all of their clubs now in the bottom five and some aren't even getting regular football yeah, it's a, yeah. I don't know. It's a difficult one because all of those cl- all of those players listed, I think, pretty much. If I'm not mistaken, Norwich were in a lower league when the team who they're currently at came in for them. So it's a short career. These footballers, they don't, I don't think they kind of see it that you know I'll sit here for two years because who knows what's going to happen here in two years. You know, you see the seismic change that's been under, undertaken this season, but it followed on from a season of well treading water to be to be kind probably even even less enjoyable than that last season so and that's just the space of one season to the next so I, I think the reality is if we sort of push that into a an Aaron's Lewis Campwell type scenario Buendia Godfrey if Norwich are still in this league come the summer and there's Premier League interest I, I can't see a scenario where they stay because Financially, from the club's point of view, it's probably going to make sense. Otherwise, they won't let them go anywhere. Um, apart from Camp, while they're all on decent long-term contracts, so the power resides with Norwich. But for the player, they may feel a bit like was always said with Madison. He will get to a point where he outgrows Norwich, and his development is outstripping Norwich. And if Norwich is still in this league next season, they might logically make the same call. But it is a fair point if we bring it into the situation now with those players. They've all felt that was the case, but they're not actually playing football. Or, well, Redmond's had a bit of a renaissance under Hassan Hootel, hasn't he, of late? Yeah. But um, certainly somebody like Pritchard, I don't think Huddersfield looked like a safe bet to me to still be in the Premier League. So, you know, OK, he might turn around and say, well, I've had two two years or a year and a half in the Premier League, which I might not have had if I'd stayed at Norwich, which is fair enough. But ultimately, do you want to be playing or do you just want to be picking up your wages? So all these players have to make those those sort of career decisions and crucially have good advisors around them and agents and family who have got their best interests rather than um, swilling the bank balance. Quite. And it's probably a fair point to mention that, you know, some of those players, not all of them, but some of them may have stayed. <laughs> you, you don't know that they, they obviously wanted to go in a lot of aspects, but then in some ways Norwich probably wanted the money too, Absolutely. certainly with the Murphys. So, and, uh, and that again might be the case in the summer if Norwich don't Absolutely. go up. So there we go. Uh, well, we normally go on week ahead, um, but I think we'll save some of this for the uh, podcast extra time, Pat. We'll get ourselves on camera. Why not? Um, but and just briefly, um, we know it's Sheffield United on Saturday. We kind of touched on that element. Do you think there's only going to be any kind of uh, residual snot from the, the the mini rivalry these two clubs have had in, in recent years? I, I kind of think that because of the situation, it will be a, it'll be quite a feisty occasion again. Oh, it will be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the context of setting aside, yeah, recent battles of Bramall Lane, to use that term, probably advisedly, but. Uh, just in terms of as it's probably going to be I'm not quite sure the gap between them and West Brom ahead of West Brom's game tonight yeah, no, no. Um, but if it is to be second v third um, with all that entails then yeah it'll be hot at, the, at Car Road and then you interject yeah the fact that it's a team who, who have had a bit of a chip on their shoulder you could say about Norwich in, in times past um, certainly stemming back to that game at Bramall Lane last season where 
they thought all sorts of gamesmanship and shenanigans and coach driver delays were were underpinning Norwich's win. I mean, they got their revenge, if you want to use that term. Well, both at Car Road last season. In fact, they've won the last two games, if, I, if yeah. my memory serves me. So that probably lessens the sort of agitation around the fixture. But uh, but no, well, from our sort of visits to Sheffield and seeing Chris Warder in action here at Car Road last season as well. I'm sure he'll be, uh, he'll be. He won't be a shrinking violet when he's building up to this game, and when he's asked, I'm sure he'll be uh, ramping it up. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, guaranteed to be anything but dull. So, uh, but that's where Norwich are now in the context of last two weekends. You know, West Brom big game, um, Birmingham big game, and these next two, next three, if you include Ipswich, big game. So. That's probably where we are now. Just get used to it. There's there's going to be something on all, every game Norwich go into now. There is indeed, which is of course a much better way of having it than now, having nothing riding on it. I can't remember what it was that Chris Wilder was doing because he gave it the big one, didn't he? When they when they won at full time, ran on the pitch and was he right. pointing to his pit, pointing to his watch, wasn't he? But said that that was what he usually did or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Oh, and don't then know. there was something about his dad as well. I, I can't was going to say that's that, what yeah. he did come out with in the post match that um, he'd raced the cross and was the. I remember him punt beating his chest with his badge and all that and I think there might have been a little nod to the lower Barclay as well as he came back across the pitch and then, but then he did say that apparently it had been I think it was his either his dad or his father-in-law had not been well and it had been a tough time for him but yeah yeah you have to take him at face value I'm not going to question the man's motives but he's a he, listen I actually on, on many levels quite like him he's a very passionate operator he's a spiky character and if he's in your dugout then you know he's I mean he's a Blades fan so maybe it'd be different if he was at a different club but he will give expend everything he's got in his body to try and get a result for his team and you have to admire that but um, as I say yeah it's uh, it's never dull when he's around so yeah more, more of the same from our point of view yeah bang on indeed okay uh, well uh, we've got Pink and Show on Wednesday as usual 6pm live and of course you can watch us throughout the evening and, and throughout the days if you wish and of course we well I say we uh, but you and Dave at um, Bramall Lane on no Carrow uh, yeah don't go to Bramall Lane Bramall I suppose at Carrow Road on Saturday um, I've got the weekend off so that's but you're there though <laughs> you're there I am there I'm going to be watching in the lower Barclay. Good. Yeah, you can give Wilder a bit of stick when he comes <laughs> racing across the pitch. I'll have to be on my best behaviour because you know, whichever I'll let everyone else do that. So it'll be good anyway. I'm sure it'll be a cracking spectacle one way or the other. You can follow all the guys, of course, at Pinkin.com throughout Saturday for the build-up, live coverage, and reaction and analysis after the game. Uh, no, any other business because Dave's not here, and you know that's the joke I say for him. Uh, and of course. Um, we will be back with our Pinkin podcast extra time and the answer to Paddy's uh, quiz before he left oh this is true yeah he'd have got it right I'm sure Um, I will do that on on there so uh, if you want to get the app then remember just to download that if you haven't already otherwise uh, pinkin.com for the latest Norwich City news analysis opinion transfer insight we'll be back with you each and every Monday so make sure you get in touch and get involved of course this is your podcast as much as it is ours thank you very much Pat cheers bro thank you Dave thank you Michael Uh, thank you from me (laughs) until next time here's to a Blades banger to keep us all dreaming of where this season and we'll end. Goodbye.